Welcome to the Heroes of Reality podcast, a podcast about the game of life and the hero's journey we all experience. Let's jump in with our host, Dylan Watkins, as he introduces today's guest. Welcome, young adventurers. Dylan here. And on today's podcast, I interview Melanie Arison. She is a filmmaker, documentary filmmaker with a background in anthropology and web design. Uh, she's based in Lisbon, Portugal, and she's created the data science, this app called Panion. It's a community app, empathy driven, community building platform that helps creators connect people through common interests, values and experiences and engage in through relevant activities and events, workshops in their area. So I'm very excited to talk to her about community, the app and everything she's about. So without any further delay, I'd like to welcome Melanie. Hey, Melanie, Hi. welcome. Thanks for hey. having me. Thank you for being on the podcast. I appreciate you being here. So um, I would love to dive in to kind of just learn a little bit about how did you get from being a filmmaker to making a empathy community driven application platform? Yeah, um, that's a good question. You don't meet actually very many um, tech founders who have uh, film and anthropology on their, on their CV. Uh, so no. I was actually, I actually went to film school. I was like deep in building my career in, in filmmaking. And I uh, ended up going on a Fulbright to mm. Sweden uh, to do research for one of the projects that I was working on. And I was interested in looking at uh, integration at the height of the migration uh, influx into Europe in 2014. And so during my research for, for my films, I realized there was this common problem that pretty much you have all these people moving to new places, especially from very different cultures, and then they're trying to build their social circles again. Mm -hmm. And that's a problem most of us know as adults these days, especially even if we just move to another city, but moving to a whole other country or another place with a completely different culture is even more difficult. And I've lived in quite a few countries, so I've had to do that, that rebuild over and over again. So I decided, I wanted to try to solve that problem and build a piece of technology that helps people uh, find each other based on location through common interests, values, shared experiences. So I just kind of started to experiment and it ended up going somewhere. It's, it's quite a jump to, to go from like the ideation of, I really have this problem of, you know, I'm super lonely in a new place and I wish I could make some friends that I had some common interest with, um, to actually creating um, a full-blown applications with communities. I mean, creating communities in a technology space is, is, it's like pushing a boulder uphill to try to get that energy and that flywheel moving forward with community engagement. So like, what were some of the, what I would call threshold guardians or what were some of the challenges you faced to transition into this like high technology uh, community space? How did you, what were those those things that you went battle against and how did you overcome them? Sure, so so we started off as, off as a friendship app. We were really like one-on-one, -on -one, focused on one-on-one -on -one connections and helping people find another person nearby. And then, uh, and we were really focused on in-person connections because we felt like we're stuck in all of these like social media spaces where we feel very lonely, even though we think we're connected. And mm -hmm. so everything was about meeting people in person and, and using your technology as a tool, but not as the thing consuming you and making you feel more, more disconnected. But then COVID hit and everything changed. 
because we couldn't be a company connecting people in person anymore. That was not so safe. So we actually noticed that we had really released a new feature called gatherings, which was to especially we had some done some user research and found there were a lot of people that felt a bit more introverted and they wanted more of a group experience rather than a one on one experience. So we had released this feature that allowed people to kind of say, hey, I'm going to the beach today. Who wants to join? And then people could kind of hop on and, mm -hmm. and group activities in their in their location. And during COVID, we saw a lot of growth there around people creating these support groups for each other in quarantine. And all of a sudden people were like, hey guys, how are you feeling today? Anyone like need help with groceries? Anyone, you know, feeling sick? And and it became this this community space. And and that was kind of where we realized, um, wow, this is really powerful. Like online connections, online social interactions, they're not all toxic and they're not all making us lonely. There's actually a lot of positivity in connecting with people that you might not know, um, especially during times of crisis, and that it's just about needing the right platform and the right space that facilitates that, and that is more empathy-driven, and it isn't just crowding you with ads, like too much data all flying at you, but it is like a space that's designed for meaningful connection. And so we decided to, to shift our product and really focus on building communities like we were seeing emerging there, but mm -hmm. with this this lens where, where it's, uh, really focus on finding the understanding the people inside the community um, and not just transactional like sharing knowledge but something deeper in addition to being able to collaborate and share knowledge and all of these things that's super interesting you're right there is a weird like when you get together for the first time there's this unusual amount of social pressure between one-on-one -on -one. Hey, me and you let's go meet behind it in the dark alleyway there's a lot of social pressure for meeting an individual and there does seem to be a unspoken um, spreading of social pressure when you meet in a group in a gathering. Hey, me and 10 friends are going to get together. It feels like there's less social pressure um, to, to meet in that kind of setting. So I could see how that would definitely take pressure off and make it easier to connect over the event versus like, I want to meet you because you're valuable. And I know it's, it's not a romance app. And so it's like, hey, we're going to go do this fun activity come with me to go to this fun activity, whether that's online or in person. Now, you said something a couple of times that I wanna dive into a little bit, empathy driven. So how is this How is this empathy driven versus Facebook groups or these other types of things? What makes, what makes your application and platform empathy driven? And is that feature sets? Is that mindset? Is that just the, is that just the principles you stand for? I'd love to learn like, how do you, reinforce an empathy driven cycle i think it's a lot of things i think it starts with your your brand tone and voice and mm -hmm. setting limitations on what type of behavior you'll accept how you want to talk to your your members um the language inside the app um mm -hmm. the different processes you encourage so for example you could create a feature that reminds people that you haven't responded to someone in a while and that we really want to create a space with, with less ghosting so you could hear three solutions on how to just tell someone you're not interested in speaking further i mean there's a lot of small yeah. things you can decide a platform to help people realize that there are human beings on the other side of the screen and that those people have feelings and that um this sense of community means that we're all responsible for each other for for how we make each other feel to some extent not not fully but just be cognizant of the fact mm -hmm. that 
you know, we're not all these anonymous people that are, you know, talking to someone across the world who has no feelings and doesn't, you know, even have a name. They have a username. Like, we really want to name people. We really want people to feel seen and present in these spaces. And that's why community is a great space for that, because it's not one end-all platform where everyone's just floating around and they can feel anonymous or replaceable, but you're inside something that's that's more intertwined, that's deeper, that where you see profiles, where people are actually sharing who they are on them. And once you have that, you feel more accountability for behaving, behaving respectfully as well. Yeah, you're right. The, the, the technology cuts both ways. The, it's, it's such little friction to, to meet people online. You know, they, they can feel that when, the, when there's an abundance of anything, there's a natural human tendency to demean the value of something, right? So if there's an abundance of anything, people or whatnot, you have a tendency to just like, it, it becomes meaningless, but ghosting is one of the most painful online things that someone can experience because the worst thing is to be left alone, not understanding why, why did, why did this happen? Was this me? Could they smell me through the thing? Do I smell bad? What's going on here? And there's, there's a really painful, it's very painful to experience the sense of ghosts. I think you touched on one of those critical things that like the things that you would do in person, you would never, you'd never do things in person that you sometimes do to people online, which is ghost them or, or, you know, uh, you know, just completely ignore them. So I love the fact that you're you're adding this human touch and this human connection, which is you're building up this persona. You say, hey, if, if you are going to take this action, which means you're gonna, you you want to leave this situation, here's some respectful, humane ways to do it because that is another person. And I know it's easier just to shut off the phone, but come on, be considerate. So that's that's really cool that you that you do that. With you said that you you saw a lot of um uh, data-driven insights that community is the way you want to go versus the one-on-one interactions can you talk to me about how you dis- discover the 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 desires of the community how you how do you discover is it is it just ai insights or is it one-on-one interactions with them or how do you really get the the pulse of of what the the will of the people have inside your application there's a few ways we do a lot of research i mean we we reach out to our who our ideal user would be, and we find people who fit that profile, and we test our product with them. We ask them questions. We see how they use our product. We ask them about their lives. We want to understand like the co- the context in which they would be using our product. Um, but then we also have uh, tools that can can look at how people are interacting inside our platform. So how many times somebody clicked this button and then clicked that button next, or like looking at the journeys. And it's completely, but it's looking at trends of how people are interacting. And then you can you can make assumptions from there. So if, for example, you have like the onboarding, so everybody who signs up for any kind of social platform usually has to create some sort of profile. Uh, you can set up steps where you can see where the drop-off is. Okay, I got to the picture. I couldn't choose one from Facebook. Now I'm I'm done with this app. And you see, like, okay, when you get to that step, the there's a drop-off rate of whatever. And then we start to figure out why is that, and we look deeper and we ask questions and we we try to figure it out and then we try to fix it. So I think it's really a combination of the two of talking to real people and just watching how they interact and um, looking at the data and seeing like any sort of like peaks of, of, of change in, in maybe a drop off or maybe everyone is tapping this part of the screen but we don't have a button there so they must think that that icon is a button even though it's not or you know, these kinds of things. 
Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I went through and actually downloaded uh, your app last night, and I got onto it and stuff. And I, I it was interesting because you know I uploaded a photo in my typical profile photo that I have, which I have like a headset on. But then you had an interesting question where you're like, take a photo in this position to do it. And so I was like, I did the thumbs up guy photo, and I was like, hey, and, and it um and, and it matched pretty well. Um, and so what I was trying to understand with that, was that to, to verify that I'm a real human and I'm not like pretending to be, I'm not like pretending to be someone I'm not, is that what the, the, the intent behind that is or? Yeah, it's interesting when you create, a, you create something that's trying to make people feel more connected or trying to, you know, help people and you don't ever anticipate how many other ways people are going to try to use the platform that you're creating. So you end up with a lot of people selling Bitcoin, selling other services, trying to uh, use your platform for all various things that it wasn't intended for. And one of those is uh, using a lot of fake images. And so if we can match the image that you upload in your profile to a picture of you like at that moment and taking a picture with a pose means that we know you took it with your camera because mm. um, and then matching that, that helps us verify real people. And it's made a huge difference for us to actually, uh, yeah, reduce like unwanted behavior inside our, our app. But the, the goal is actually um, to get, to create, to take tools like that and to not actually have to do it, to, to not make that decision for community managers, but to allow like people who built a community on our platform to have that tool available to them to say, okay, we're seeing like a lot of people like requesting to join our community who are, who don't really seem like they're aligned with our mission, we're going to implement this tool that like verifies that they are who they are. And we're going to turn mm -hmm. that on and then put it in the hands of the people that are actually moderating their own communities um, so that it's, it's their choice and it's, it's, you know, not up to us. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I, I love the idea of um, passing it on to the moderators of their own community, but giving them the tools to make decisions, you know, the, it definitely felt like, there's like a certain level of amenity that you have a veil of protection when I'm just uploading my profile. I've got it. I got it safe. Copy paste that. And then it was like, take a photo of yourself. So I was like, Ooh, I'm like, but I'm shirtless in my bed. I don't know how I feel about this. I was like, all right. But I felt like the veil of my, of like me being invisible slowly got lifted and I, I got kind of, put, I was like, Oh, okay. So now they know who I am. And so it definitely felt more like, Oh, I got it. I don't know, and, and not necessarily this is the right thought process, but it was like, oh, I should be on my best behavior now because they they got me, they know it's me. So it was it was it was a, it was a cool tactic, and it was it was fun to go through that process. And I know there was um there's a verification process going through that, um, but I would like to look at you talked about giving the tools to the moderators to be able to make choices for their own communities. So how is the, is the, is the community structure set up? Like, how do you create a community? How do the create, how do the, the creators of the communities pick mods? How do you set up that kind of that, that node-based infrastructure to be able to kind of propagate outwards? Yeah. So, so we have shifted, we have shifted to, we created some public communities where we could start getting people used to the idea of, entering through a community, finding people who already were in like a smaller net. So having at least one common interest that made you want to join the community and then finding people within that. So that was kind of the, 
the baby step we took from having this open platform where everybody could just find people who shared their interests. So we're trying to kind of narrow it so it feels safer for people and for it so it's easier for people to find people that they can relate to. But on the other side, we became uh, a B2B platform where we are actually selling a community building platform to community managers who already have thriving communities and are looking for a new home for them. So it could be that you have like a newsletter and you want to turn just that the newsletter, which is like going in one direction outward to a community, turn it into a community where people can communicate with each other. So there's all these different scenarios where people actually have thriving communities, but they want to make it a, um, a bi-directional communication and, and feel more like a communal space. Uh, so we're, we've built, I mean, you can go on our website, you can create a community and actually start to build out similar to like if you're on a Slack group or a Facebook group, build out a community and then have the tools inside that to assign moderators, to assign moderators of groups, of events, of different, different elements inside the platform. But the idea is that you have one space where you can manage events, you can manage all your communication, you can have other members uh, share knowledge, collaborate, talk one-on-one. -on -one. Um, we're working on audio, audio rooms as well. And so you have, and you have all these filters to search for people through this massive member directory uh, by interest, by languages they speak, by location, by if you have common friends. So you really can dig deep and get to know the members um, and know who's behind whatever, whatever activities they're planning or any kind of posts that they're creating. So it is, in a sense, from the community manager side, it's like taking a MailChimp and an Eventbrite and the Facebook group and putting it into one place where you have all your analytics in one place and you can manage all of those elements of your community in one space. Gotcha, okay, that makes a lot of sense. So that you first did it for yourselves and you kind of build up the infrastructure and then now you're offering those tools for other communities because there's so many communities online and, and Facebook groups was kind of the common one because everybody had a Facebook thing, but then because of all the information that's come out about that, people are shifting away from Facebook and looking for other um, less Facebooky groups to be a part of. Um, yeah. And what I'd be curious on what you touched, what you talked about here too, is you talked about audio audio rooms and things like that. So we're talking about the Clubhouse app that kind of came out and blew up and is up and up and moving quickly. Um, so I, how has um, how has Clubhouse and uh, influenced uh, the direction of your design going into this audio-only space? It's interesting because we were exploring audio rooms before Clubhouse, um, mm -hmm. but we are also trying to create like a, a holistic community solution. So it wasn't our top priority. It was something that was like a nice to have. And then Clubhouse yeah. came out, and we were like, "Oh, maybe we need to move faster on this." Um, but it's funny because I've seen some like exact replicas of Clubhouse already come out and I've been invited to some. So it was like, just takes one to have this idea, which is actually not that revolutionary. It's kind of like a a conference, a large conference call, which I remember when I was a kid, like pressing the conference button on my, my phone and getting to bring two lines together. I mean, it is yeah. something that you would think we all kind of, have done before, but somehow it's revolutionary because it's massive amounts of people. But now I'm seeing all these rep replicates coming out. So I think it's, these are trends and they come and they go. Mm -hmm. And I think like it's exciting when you have a new social network 
Um, I think there's a lot, of, a lot of limitations to Clubhouse when it comes to building a, like a full-fledged community where you really need to maybe share share documents, uh, share, you know, ping each other and talk about things and have video calls. And there's so much that goes into like a thriving community, especially right now during the pandemic. But I think has like a sliver of that that's really exciting. Um, I've been on Clubhouse with a few different um in a few different talks, mostly around entrepreneurship and startups mm -hmm. and community building. Mm -hmm. And I noticed something that I feel so incredibly nervous when I'm on deck to speak. Like my heart <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, why is this happening? Like I can go on a podcast, I can go on a Zoom call, but somehow this audio with like hundreds of people is really freaking me out and I don't know why. And uh, yeah, I'm sure there's gonna be some sort of slang term for it at some point. Yeah, there there is a because I'm part of it, joining some groups and done things like that, and definitely been on stage and uh, all that fun stuff. But there is it the feeling it gives me is almost like calling into a radio show, and yeah. where you're like you're like oh I like the people on stage. It's a really intimate conversation, and then all of a sudden you call in, you're like you're through, you're on stage. You're like oh crap, what do I say? What do I do? People are listening, and, it, and it's a really weird thing that that happens when you get on stage with a combination of people that you have some sort of um not only shared interest but they all you also respect them in some way shape or form and and then there's also the thing that people are listening that makes this intimate conversation public you know it's like i don't know kissing in public or something something to that magnitude and it does have that an interesting vibe like that. Now they do some things right. They do have some things wrong. I was I I do a lot of design work in in different spaces, uh, mostly immersive tech. Um, and so I was talking with a bunch of designers about like what made that viral. Um, and a lot of it came to just getting high level influencers and making scarcity and and creating that viral loop of scarcity. You can only invite so many people, and then trickling out the invite so it feels like it's valuable. So I mean, it's mostly their go to their go to business model was really well done. The technology is is fairly common. I, I very much dislike the not having links clickable inside your profile. Um, that right there is super annoying. Um, but uh, but there are some things right, and there's things to learn of like how did this, why did this work, and how did this work, and especially with you actually having a community based app. I mean, you can always look to see what did they do right, what did they do wrong, and how do you leverage those things and get those insights because. Uh, Needing to form communities and create groups and get is, is, is a human, it's the human condition as old as time. Us getting together in tribes of people, talking, sharing thoughts and insights and feelings and emotions is, that's never going to go away. And there's about, there's several billion of us that are all looking to do it. And with Elon Musk Skylink, it's only going to be getting bigger and more grand. So um, what do you see? as the as the as the future of communities online what what vision do you hold um as as the as the future of online communities well i think for us we want to see more of a hybrid between an online and an offline community and that's something we're working towards so having an online element to an offline community where you can go online you can you know ping that person that you maybe met at an event that there's a there's like a parallel online offline um, world of the same community where 
you know, you you know how to contact people, you can use it for communication, you can use it for organization, but that it's still in some sense allowing you to go offline and whether that's you're part of a really large global network and maybe you travel to a new city and you just find someone in that network and have coffee with them or there's actual in-person events. Um, and not all communities should be offline, but I think this hybrid is really interesting. And like I was saying before, using technology as a tool um, to enhance your everyday life. Like we're social people, we need actual physical in-person contact with each other. We can't, as the pandemic has probably proven to a lot of people, we can't live our lives through a screen and and get everything we need forever. Like we need to be able to actually have human touch and like face to face at some point. So I think that using these tools to enhance what we already need and do is really important and is going to be make the difference with this mindset rather than letting the tools consume us and exhaust us and control our time and our attention. We need to find that line. And I think everyone obviously needs to find that line for themselves. But I think as, as product creators, it's our responsibility to some extent to also try to create tools and products that, that consider that. Yeah. You're right. It's it's a balance. Everything's a balance. You have the you have the the width of onlineness where like you know me and you are connecting. Um, where are you currently at right now? The room that you're in right now, just real quick. I'm in Lisbon, Portugal. Yeah. So so you're in there, okay? So it it take a little while for us to actually meet. So you know there is there. Um, I'm in Orange County, California. Okay, yeah, so. you're very far away from me. You're not even. <laughs> Boston or something across the Atlantic you're like another whole like country across the country so Boston's yeah. too cold no way I, I can't I was there in Jan I'm a, I'm a Southern California guy warm weather and I went I was there for a, a virtual rally hackathon in Boston in January I had no idea no idea what that was like it was like negative three degrees and I'm from Boston, uh, Boston. I'm ah, great food cool people they are they are they are brutal they are funny. They are smart, man, and, and and they're they're great to hang out with. And they just they just endure the cold. It's just it's it's a it's a it's a it's an awesome place. But man, I just I'm I'm too climatized. I like my I like my warm weather. You can tell I'm wearing a sweater, and it's like seventy degrees out. I mean, there's um, a reason I moved to Portugal. So yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I have I have I haven't been to Portugal yet, but that's definitely on the to dos. Um, Okay, so talking about breadth versus depth with meeting in person versus online, um, you're, there is a there is a balance between, like, you know, connecting with people this way, and then you see them in person, and there's that that you know you can make those those wide connections and form deep bonds, and then get together and meet space or IRL um, as they say, and uh, so there is a hundred percent of value in that because, um, you're right, there is something about a hug, and a high five, and and those types of things. And I don't, I, I've seen VR try their best to get there. And it's mostly, it's mostly weird, mostly. Um, so what, um, what do you think in terms of like, in the person connections, what have you seen to be the most effective things people do when they get together um, to, to really create that, those deep connections, those deep bonds? Like what, what have you seen um, in your own app or just in general that is the the missing pieces of the, the in-person connection. I think this is going to be a bit about life in general, a bit about what I've seen in the app. But um, I think I think 
what I've learned older is that, you know, you can't you can't have a connection with everybody. There's so many different types of people, and you really get better at knowing which types of people you're going to connect with. And I think some of that can be seen in um, certain types of personalities are attracted to certain interests or certain professions or these kinds of things. So there are some some factors that can kind of narrow that down a little bit. But ultimately, it is, it is about the connection you feel with someone, and that is something you can't really predict unless you are in the same room as them. So, or maybe, I mean, it's debatable if you can feel like you have a connection through a Zoom call, for example. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. I think I think it's better, but maybe not the same. Um, so I think like in-person connections, I think, having things to knowing more about somebody before you connect is really helpful um i think all of us are a bit exhausted especially if you've been in like you know especially now where you're like talking to a lot of strangers online whether it's for work or it's dating or it's whatever um i think people kind of want a, a starting point that's a little bit deeper they want to know a bit more about someone beforehand um, and that's why you see in like a lot of platforms, people are now adding things like, like what kinds of friendships they're looking for, or, you know, like what experiences have they had? Okay. They love to like backpack around the world and they're not into, you know, they are vegetarian or like, we're realizing that all of these kinds of experiences and these kinds of like life values are really what bonds us together. And I don't know, I've thought a lot about this, but it's like, we we like to think that we're really open to all these different types of people and and we are open but when you look at the people that you really connect with you might not have the same exact sport interests so you might not want to play the same sports but you tend to have the same values like values mm. are one thing that you really kind of have to be aligned with to be friends or to have some sort of connection with someone and so we're really exploring that and, and helping people find at least that at the beginning so that there is a bit of more of an efficient connection when they do meet in person. Mm, you're right. Values are the, are the deep source. Um, but there's also that the idiosyncrasies, the the un, the uncommon common interests that make people aligned where, you know, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I think of the, the movie Step Brothers. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. Um, Will sure. Ferrell and John C. Riley. They're they're stepbrothers. They hate each other, and then they find out that they actually both hate the same things and also love uh, velociraptors. And then they become best friends. And uh, and so it just when I'm thinking of it, I don't know why, but when you're talking about like when you're talking about connections with people and resonations, I, I it's, to me it sounds like a sound. It's like the way that we're communicating. There's a certain like musical beat in my head of the communications and, and and the other people when they're in frequency, they're actually going back and forth like ding dong ding dong. But then with people that are out of sync, it's like, ding, bink. And you're like, oh God, that didn't work. And you're like, you're trying to, you can't find that resonance. And then you're like, you throw enough, you know, sounds at the other person. You're like, we're not, we're not making music together. This isn't working. Abort, abort. <laughs> you got to get out of it. So you can't, you can't uh, always connect with people. So I, um, I completely feel that. Uh, you're, you're talking about um, having people come in and kind of getting that party started with, you know, what do you stand for? What are your values? What are your interests? What's your favorite book? Um, as I was going through your, your applications of going, going, getting into the place. What do you think 
what do you think is some uncommon knowledge that makes for a successful community? Like when people looking at the application that you've made and, and making mods and groups and things like that, like how, you know, what are the keys to actually creating a successful community that really keep people engaged and really create that sense of meeting? Um, I think one thing we see is that, sorry, excuse my cat. He's always part of every conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, every, every Zoom. The cats, they like, look, I understand that you're paying attention to someone else, so I want your attention. Oh, no, you're giving me attention. I don't want your attention. <laughs> exactly. Excuse my cat. That should be a meme online for all these video calls. Yeah. Um, right, I, I think one thing we've realized is that a lot of people are really interested in a community platform because mm. they think it's going to run their community. And they don't realize sometimes that this, they need community managers and they need people who are like humans that are going to like share some content and have a strategy and start conversations and assign moderators and assign new roles to people and really manage the community. Because um, I mean, at some point, like as you grow, you can hit, hit a threshold where the community does start to organically run a lot more, uh, a lot more independently but mm. that's not going to be the case from day one and so yeah. um i think that's a big misconception a lot of people have and we've we've actually bumped into this a lot because a lot of people who want to create communities i mean you have the people who have communities on facebook or you know instagram or something and they know how that works but then you have people who have an organization and they have like a they want to build a community from all of their volunteers and their donors and all of these people that are technically in a community that that's on their newsletter or something uh, gets their newsletter, but um, they haven't really created that sense of community where everyone's connected to each other yet. And in that case, sometimes people don't necessarily understand that it takes some work and it takes actual devotion to, to uh, engaging those people. Um, one of the features that we we kept from our friendship app was what we call gatherings, where you can say, "Hey, who wants to hop on a Zoom call and you know discuss this book or whatever?" Like you can do these group little group spontaneous activities. And part of the reason we we felt that was really important was because it does take pressure off the community managers when you allow the members to actually uh, take control and and create their own events inside the platform that's one less one less post and one less uh, event to organize for the community managers so i think there needs to be a balance between mm -hmm. uh giving some agency to the members but also giving some structure from the community manager so that you know they have spaces to to create activities and to uh, connect within but at the same time it's not too open where anything goes and then suddenly you know you don't have any um, any constraints and then things can kind of get a bit crazy. So, um, yeah, I would say that also with community management or, or creating a, a community, um, you really have to, I, this is the reason we see so many people coming our way is that they, they have like a Slack group or, or Facebook group and they don't really feel like the members, like who the people are behind those conversations are seen or you don't really feel who they are. Like on Facebook, you can't really like dig into someone's profile unless you're friends with them and you can't talk to them unless you're friends with them. So that means that you could like, you really have to go all these extra steps to be able to connect with someone. They have to see you in their 
their other inbox and accept you and it is a little bit difficult um whereas on our platform it's so easy to just connect with anybody um and then you kind of set up your privacy settings whether you want to you know receive messages from just anyone it's, it's in your hands not in the mm -hmm. platform it's not up to the whole platform um so i think and then with slack like it's really great i would say for you know like we use it in our team like it's really great for for transactional purposes but when it comes to actually deeply knowing those people and and interacting with them and doing things with them and playing games with them and like knowing what their interests are and like finding them when you're traveling and saying hey i'm in your city all of that stuff is really really difficult mm. yeah it's it's interesting that one of the things that was made me think about when you're talking is um the very much like you know people as when they when they as they grow up you know you start out as a baby and i think when people get together they form a, an entity whatever you know a business gets together that that those, that group of people is an organism right a community is an organism and when it first gets together it's a little tiny baby so you want to take a baby put them in the forest and say good luck you know send them off to go do their thing but with you know you need to nurture them you need to feed them you need to let them grow and then you know eventually you know you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna be a proud parent wiping your eyes as it as the as it grows up and takes off and gets a life of its own so um so what, that's what you're making me think about right now is how as a community you start off as a small child and then you you, you nurture that and we you know with love and attention and it grows into uh uh you know its own its own form with with that like how do you you're talking about you got to have a strategy coming into this and and so you could have a structure uh you have a structure by the mods and then you empower some of the community members what would you say to people that were they they wanted to they wanted to hop onto your app they wanted to create their own community but they they don't have a strategy behind it like what are those what are those abc tactics for getting in and making sure that they come out the gate right with forming the right strategy to be able to kind of cr create that flywheel growth effect hmm. I would say contact us because we help strategy as well. <laughs> um, uh, we're in the process of building out an entire workshop around, you know, how to to take it step by step so that you, because I think some people feel very overwhelmed. They think that they should create a community with lots and lots of people at the beginning. And in fact, that's kind of a myth. I mean, you want to, you want to really kind of be intentional about who you bring into the community that you really start to to like you said to to start small and, and build it out um and some people think they hear the word community and they think oh that means lots of people and when you start with lots of people at the beginning um without any sort of strategy and without any like real content content plan and all of this actually it's it's easier for people to uh, lose interest and become less engaged because they see a lot of people not engaging and then you know um and it's harder to manage and it's harder to find your identity as well because i think one thing we found is there's a lot of community people who create a community for a certain reason and then that community evolves into something that they didn't intend and sometimes mm -hmm. it's and they love what it became and sometimes they're like I didn't sign up for this and I think when you start small you can also set the culture easier um, yeah. so you can like create something invite the people that you really think will fit that culture and fit the intention that you have for the community 
and then you can have them invite people that they think would fit that and you can have a little bit more control over what that evolves into but in, in opposed to like all these different people who all have like slightly different intentions of what they want that community to be yeah yeah that you're you're right when you get such a large you know a community of two or three is a lot more you have a lot more say and, and vote you know inside the environment but you know fifty thousand or whatever it might be you're a drop in the bucket uh which makes it feel that your opinion is a little more meaningless as it, you know yeah. more meaningful as it, as it trickles up but the impact it's like a balance between impact and meaning um with that it one of the things i was thinking about is one of the challenges you have online and i think this is something that you're you, you're you're working towards is uh stopping not only ghosting but lurkers people that just hang out and consume 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 but don't contribute so how do you how do you convert a lurker into someone that contributes how do you how do you call up those people in the community and how do you drive them to engage to have them being you know willing participants in the community I think first you need to understand why they're lurking. So are they lurking because they're shy, because they don't know if what they're gonna say is valuable, because they feel like they need to spend more time understanding like where they belong in the community. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why people lurk. I'm definitely, I'm guilty of lurking sometimes in a community to feel out if this is the right space for me. Like, I really wanna contribute something really interesting. So I'm just gonna wait for the right moment. You know, I mean, there's so many reasons and I, I think we shouldn't always see lurking as a bad thing. I mean, part of what we're working on with our analytics is also looking at how many people are viewing things because I don't necessarily think it's all about engagement, but just because someone didn't, if someone didn't engage, but they still saw it, it still could have impacted them in some way. And I think mm -hmm. it's still important to recognize that. Um, and I think as a community manager, you can actually, um, start with like a one-on-one -on -one connection with that person you can reach out you can say like you know i noticed you've been part of this community for a while but you haven't introduced yourself um you know uh is there anything i can offer or help with that would that make you feel more comfortable or you could just try to assess and understand like why they're lurking um because i think yeah i think it gives you a lot of insight into your community and how you're also managing the community are, are you maybe is the language you're using or the the things you're asking of your members making them feel like they can't engage i mean you should do your own user research with those lurkers to figure out what it is instead of maybe assuming that they're just taking and not giving or something like that you know very valid point it's 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 uh that is a a behavior but what is the cause of that behavior is it, you're super on point with that so that makes a lot of sense i don't know why i just pictured screaming out why are you lurking talk to me and it's like wait where'd you go <laughs> i feel like there's like a a trend from like you know engaged to lurking lurking to ghosting along that path of like disengagement there's a, a disengagement path i could see uh <laughs> um so to on that point of you're, you're talking about like reaching out and understanding them and getting their feedback how do you how do you get people inside communities to share negative feedback like because often like one of the things that i've seen just in multiple businesses that i've run and, and talking to communities and people in different spaces is having people give you seemingly negative or critical feedback about the thing that you're doing versus them going yeah it's great and then them just like shutting down and going away which is like 
basically what they're saying is this is socially uncomfortable and I don't want to tell you how I feel because I don't want to hurt your feelings. But really what that does is it hurts your ability to really grow, get better, develop and initiate. So how do you give people the breath and the freedom and the expression uh, to really communicate seemingly critical negative information about what you're doing or the community that you've created? Yeah, I mean, I think one, you can do it in more of like an anonymous survey type format where you're just mm -hmm. trying to collect some insights that is improving your experience and we, you know, it'll be completely anonymous or these kinds of things. I haven't really found that people, maybe it's because I live in Europe now, but I don't really find people are so afraid to give their criticisms. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't think that is the European thing. I think that's just a, I feel like everyone's so anonymous that they can just tell everyone how they feel about them because they have no feelings. But uh, I agree, there are a lot more, there are a lot more um, people feeling and thinking things than get through to you as the person who's, who's running something or building something and it would be very valuable. So I would say that, um, I think it's also about how you encourage people inside the space. Like we use the word co-create a lot and we try to like let people know we're co-creating a, a tool and a platform for community managers to make things more efficient, to make your life easier, to give you better insights. And if you feel like you don't haven't found that perfect platform, come help us build it. And I think mm -hmm. that kind of approach where people feel like, yeah, this is so welcomed because we all together want to have a better experience. This community, this sense of community of yeah. also building your community. Um, there's a lot of interesting conversations around um, how much responsibility you give the members and how much how much control they have over the overall community experience. Um, there's, I know, like Discord, for example, has has ways to like allow the members to to maybe like donate to unlock collective features that community that the community can get access to and i think it's really interesting to to allow the collective um to create this sense that like as a collective group you're going to make decisions about the community together or you're going to unlock new features together or or these kinds of things it's it's a yeah i mean there's a lot of power in 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 community that we probably still haven't unlocked yet uh, that we can use technology for and um i think like we see with like crowdfunding for example like that was a big explosion like we never saw that and suddenly you know i guess it was kickstarter that launched that and wow has that changed the landscape for products for services for small business owners for people who have a rare a rare illness i mean there's a lot of things we can do with technology and community that I'm sure are yet to come. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So, I mean, a couple of things there. So one being, yeah, I think, I think uh, Europeans of my experience are, are much more forthright with, with telling you that your thing sucks and it's just nothing personal. It's just, just is right. And, <laughs> and that is, I've, I've seen that um, through the, the, the communities that I'm a part of. And so I feel that one too. I think uh, uh, they're a bit more, try to be more nice, in America, which is kind of like the pendulum of like trying to, you know, the, the try, there's always a balance between truth and harmony, right? You're like, well, uh, this is going to rock the boat. So I'm just not going to say it, or I'm going to rock the boat and I don't care. You know, you look at like, say Gordon Ramsay, for example. Um, but there's, uh, 
you, what makes me think about when you're talking about that is it's almost like you're you're empowering and engaging through co-creation right and so you're saying like look uh we're making this all together come along help me make it better you think it sucks great what will make it unsuck let's 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 do this together which is which is a super empowering thing you talked about Discord, and Discord really thrives when it comes to gaming communities, communities that are building games and applications and things like that. And and has your um, your app um, has it has it has it worked with gaming communities, or are you are you looking in that space area where somebody's building a game or a project or things like that, and they're all they're all communicating around that, or is yours more not necessarily around? Uh, communities around one specific game or the creation of a game and it's more around events activities and the shared human experience yeah i would say the latter we're really focused on communities that are about a, a common experience or uh something we really like impact driven communities i guess that's mm. um maybe because i'm a documentary filmmaker and i made a lot of like social issue documentaries and i have a little bit of we actually had um some some people who politically disagree with me call me an uh, SJW. I never um, heard what that term was. It's called a social justice warrior. <laughs> and okay. Yeah. Like, what is this term? And then I looked it up, and I felt so proud to be called that, even though it wasn't supposed to be an insult. Um, so for me, like impactful communities, communities that are really, you know helping people unite around changing the world in some way or uh, sharing a common experience that makes everyone feel more more you know understood or a sense of belonging like that's where that's where we really you know feel like we can offer offer a lot to to people but um of course any community is welcome welcome to join i don't think we have the same tools that discord does for for gaming communities and we're not we, I think one thing you have to realize when you build a product or you build a company is that you shouldn't try to, to do everything well. You should try to do one thing well and niche yourself and really focus on a certain target audience. And so, so we aren't necessarily a gaming platform, but um, I see Discord has a lot of very valuable community building features in it. Sure, sure, yeah. Uh, it's, it's funny because, you know, it, the social justice warrior thing is, they're 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 kind of care shaming you, and they're yeah. they're care shaming you because it's like how how dare you speak up for the needs of people? I can't <laughs> believe you. It's like yeah, and and it's and it's what it is is they feel offended because of their autonomy, right? They're like, don't you tell me how I should care? I you know mm -hmm. I'm I you know and that's the thing they want their own autonomy and and but but they're trying to force that upon you because of some sort of personal moral obligation and uh it's just so funny when people go shaming people for trying to be good or trying to you know yeah. enforce you know carry like you know we're we're building a we're building a vr app that that helps that's a fun shooting a vr game but it's also focused around like you know building a positive community and then people are like don't you indoctrinate me and people are offended by by actually i was like sorry i want people that care about the other people in the group <laughs> it's such a it's such a thing. What um, what are the what are a few of the social issues that that you really resonate with, or what are a few of the social issues that you don't see that you would like to see to see people you know pick up the flag and run with? Hmm. Um. Well, I think the one that started off this whole journey with a uh, Panyan 
was immigration related and integration related. So I felt like um, I was living in Sweden. Sweden doesn't really have the same history that the US has when it comes to immigration in the same sense and when it comes to race as well. Um, I wouldn't say that the US has um, has achieved a, a point where we uh, are great at uh, integrating people or respecting people's differences, um, but um, we definitely have a lot of experience with having those conversations. And I think Sweden has had less experience and is now having more of that experience, especially when um, especially when we recent i mean it's it comes in waves of wars and they've always been very generous when it comes to taking in people who are fleeing war um but then on the on the ground you suddenly have people who come from a different place and different background and different culture and you're integrating new people into your society so for me this is i've always kind of had a soft spot for people feeling a sense of belonging and feeling included in some way um, maybe that's because I've always felt a little bit strange and weird and like I have all these weird niche interests and, and whatever and then maybe I felt like I wasn't I was on the outside and misunderstood I don't know but um, I think I think in general because also I've lived in many countries and I've I finally kind of felt the, the experience of being an outsider in that sense and being an immigrant um, that one is very close to my heart like I think I believe in like I don't know, I'm not really a big fan of borders and I really like the fact that, you know, we should all kind of just see each other as human beings and appreciate each other for like the differences that we have. So I would say that's probably, but I have a lot, I mean, I have a lot of other ones that I care about as well. It's, it's super interesting. I mean, and, and it totally makes sense. Like looking back at like your history of, you know, moving into new communities. I mean, that's what you're doing. A, a, a country is a new community. And then you find yourself, you know, basically drowning in an ocean of people, you know, a, a dying of thirst in an ocean of people where you're like, I have no way to drink my social fill and I'm, I'm just alone here. And then you're like, you want to make these communities that accept people that come into these communities and, and yeah. make it an easier place for it. So all of that completely resonates with like it shows the genesis, the origin story of why you do what you do. It's super, it's super cool to, to, to see that, that kind of that throughput line of it. And um, it's also got a lot of Burning Man vibe. I don't know if you've heard of Burning Man. Uh, okay, I've, I've, the last three years I've, I've been there as part of a camp and stuff like that. It's just that whole same vibe and it's, it's beautiful. It's wonderful, it, 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 but you also have to have somewhat of a high filter to get in like your application is. Um, otherwise you can bring in amenity and not the best things because if you can come and go, you can you can really wreck a community. Um, yeah. So so that's that's super cool. Uh, so um, we're we're getting towards the the top of the hour here, and so I, I'd like to kind of wrap it up. Is what are any last thoughts you'd like to share uh, share that's top of mind right now before you let people know how to get a hold of you? I mean, like I said, we're co-creating a platform that mm -hmm. really really serves these types of communities and community managers in, in this space who really want to create this this more you know em empathic online experience an online experience that, that bridges with an offline communal experience so i would just i i would just welcome anyone who kind of aligns this thinking or who has a community and wants to you know help us co-create this this ideal platform that would help improve their communal, community 
management experience. I would like to meet people like that. I mean, we are meeting people like that, but the more insight we get, the closer we come to being able to accommodate as many people as possible when it comes to creating a tool that, that makes their their community run smoother, gives their members more more tools to connect with each other. Um, it's amazing how you can like, I've interviewed now over like 170 community managers and every single call I learned something new and interesting. And, you know, I didn't start off creating a community platform. I started off creating a friendship platform, which is quite different, but now I feel like I'm becoming an expert in all things community just because of all the research that we're doing for, for this. So I wouldn't be able to come on this podcast and give you all these tips had I not had all of these interviews and like been building communities on our platform myself. So um, it's amazing how much you can learn in such a short, you know, it's amazing how much you can learn just by like really digging in and understanding other people's perspectives. A hundred percent. A lot of reason why I, I do this. It's really fun to like get in, connect, go deep and, and, and talk with you. And there's, there's so much value in these deep connections and, and over time, you just you I mean, you became an expert. I, I, that's a lot of community managers. That's a lot of knowledge and tips. And I mean, really, yeah. there's, there's a ton of value in that. So yeah, I definitely encourage anybody that wants to build a community and and get on the Panion app to, to reach out to you and and download your app. It's on Android and iTunes, and it's it's easily to easily to get it, download it, and get started. And and uh, if they want to reach out to your um, to your group or to reach out to your company for any specialty help for creating a community? Um, how would they, how would they get a hold of you? Uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. I mean, we're on all of them and we answer and uh, watch, you know, we're, we're definitely very involved in our social channels. Um, so any of those are, are easy to get in touch with us. With. Beautiful. Thank you, Melanie. I really appreciate your time. And, uh, and I, I look forward to uh, being a part of your community. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. All right. Bye now. Thank you for listening to the Heroes of Reality podcast. Check out heroesofreality.com for more episodes. While you're there, you can also take the Heroes quiz to find out what kind of hero you are. Or if you have a great story and want to be on the podcast, tell us why your hero's journey will inspire others. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side.